Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance ECOs. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is the creator of Build Your Own Network podcast. He's He's been able to do some amazing things in the last couple of years. He's one of the pioneers in the podcast game that has really um, been one of the trailblazers in this whole game. So he's been able to connect with amazing people such as Ed Milet, Grant Cardone, Aubrey Marcus, Dean Graziosi, Tom Bilio. The list goes on. He's connected with the best of the best and he's learned to crack the code on how to connect with these people and how to network properly, efficiently, without being sleazy. Now, he's, and he's also built an incredible Facebook group, High Level Mastermind. He's an author of Meet Your Hero, which just came out. He's doing awesome things and I was really happy to connect with him and to hear his story on how this all happened because he came from a completely different background. He came from a very religious background. Um, he was in the same schooling system from when he was young until he was eight or 18 or 20 with college and all that. So he was there the entire, his entire system was in this one, in this one school, which is a rare occurrence. So when he decided to pivot and do a different and go a different direction, there was the challenges like we all go through, but he used podcasting as the vehicle to drive his now um, excelling business and has allowed him to connect with some of these amazing people. So um, Travis Chapel is going to be joining us. Great guy. Um, I have a feeling this will just, this is our first conversation. It definitely won't be the last. And I look forward to connecting with him further. I appreciate you listening to this right till the end and you're going to enjoy it. Travis Chapel coming right up. Welcome to the show, brother. What's happening, Lance? Thanks so much for having me. Man, super excited to dive in today. You've been doing some great things. Every time I see you, you're popping up on my feed with uh, <laughs> <laughs> seeing Mark Wahlberg, seeing uh, Magic Johnson. There's all kinds of amazing humans. And I, re I was listening to your podcast a while back with Aubrey Marcus. Hmm who I, I follow and I really enjoy his content. So I'd listen to you guys and I really enjoyed it. I, you're doing some great things with Build Your Network. And before we unpack all that and get into all what you're up to, I would love to just get a little bit of a background about yourself and kind of how you got into all this. Like what was, the, what was the deal? Why did this start? And what was it like for you growing up? And maybe piece together your journey a little bit. Yeah, man. So... Um Grew up in a really, I would say traditional uh, background, but I, I don't know if that's the, the best way to explain it. Um, very religious. It was like a very religious bubble, like a community, like a subsect of a subsect of like Christianity as a whole, you know? So um, it, it was very much like growing up in a, in a bubble, like on an island, you know what I mean? Like it was uh, a little bit, it was a completely different way of growing up. I say traditional because it was very, you know, that traditional type that mentality like that traditional mentality but not traditional in the sense of like most people did not grow up like that um and uh it was a really interesting way to to see the world and when i became an adult and 
moved away from home for the first time, I started to realize that maybe that there are other, some th- other things out there and other paths to take. Um, and uh, my whole life kind of changed. Well, really complete 180 as of, you know, three, four years ago, pretty recent still. Um, but yeah, I grew up, grew up in that type of religious bubble. So literally from the time that I was, uh, I think we started going to that church when I was like two or three. And, um, I went to the school starting in kindergarten, uh, all the way through senior year of high school and also college. So literally if you count, you know, church on Sunday. And then we had Saturday soul winning, which is literally just knocking doors and then in the community and passing out, you know, um, invitations to come to church. So if you count soul winning Saturday and, uh, and church on Sunday, which we had three services every Sunday. So it wasn't just like Sunday morning. It was, we had Sunday school, which was like a mini church. And then you have regular Sunday morning church and then you have Sunday night church as well. So you know, seven days a week from the time that I was three until the time that I was a college graduate, 21 or whatever, I was basically on that campus. And obviously there's, you know, there's a lot of exceptions there for vacation and whatever, but for the, you know, for the most part, I was there pretty much my entire life. So that was the only context and perspective that I had on the world. And when I came out of that, it just kind of was like a reinventing of myself and trying to figure out what I really wanted. And, um, as a 12 year old, I committed to be in full-time Christian ministry. Um, and so that was really my only thing that I did in high school was like, I never really considered any other career path. We, we didn't have career counselors, a small private Christian school. Um, so we didn't really have any of that kind of stuff. It wasn't like, nobody ever questioned me as to why, you know what I mean? Like it was just, it's just weird. Like nobody questioned my 12 year old decision to commit to go into full-time ministry. It was just like, well, you committed at 12. So that must've been God's calling on your life. And if you go back on that, you're just, you know, disobeying God or whatever. So it was very much like, well, you know, I don't really have any of the options. And I didn't look at it like that at the time, obviously at the time I was like stoked about doing it. Um, but now in retrospect, it was like, well, you know, maybe some of the authority figures in my life at that point should have been like, Hey, you committed to this when you were 12. Is it, are you sure this is what you want to do? You know? Um, but anyway, I digress with that. The, uh, the, the reason I bring it up is just to say like when I graduated college, um, there was just a lot of change that happened right in a row. So, um, I was done with college my senior year, December. So I, it took me three and a half years to graduate, not four. So I was done with school in December Um, and then I got married in January to my high school sweetheart. And then we both graduated, like walked and got our diplomas in May. And then we moved away from home in September. So there was a lot of huge life changes there, like done with school forever, going from living with my parents to being married and like being an adult and having an apartment and paying bills and stuff. And then, um, and then moving to a place that was outside of that bubble that I grew up in. Um, so there's a lot of huge changes that happened there. And with that came the desire to not go in ministry and to be in that business and sales world. Um, but I didn't really, didn't really know how to go about, you know, doing that. I never had any exposure to any of that world before. So, um, when I was like 22, 23, I was really just like a 14, 15 year old. I, I, I was just like, man, I don't know what to do with my life. Like I've, I, I literally, bro, I looked up so many things because at the time I was just doing door-to-door sales just because that's what I was doing in college to make extra money and out of college, it was what I was good at. And, uh, you know, at 22, I made a six-figure income 
you know, just knocking doors 20 hours a week. So I figured, Hey, this is probably better than any quote unquote job that I'm going to go get, you know, I'm making more money and way less time. I have flexibility and time freedom at hundred percent commission door to door sales. So I was just like, oh, I'll just do this for a while. But then when I got burnt out on that, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do next. Like I, I don't have like my college education was in Bible and church ministries. So there's not much I can do with that. Plus it was an, un, it was a non-accredited degree. So like not much I can do with a non-accredited double major in Bible and church ministries. Um, the only skill set that I have is door-to-door sales, which is a good skill set to have, uh, which is what I found out going into different career paths. But at that point, I was just like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, and Lance, I looked at everything, bro. Like I looked at um, being in the fire department. I looked at like becoming an FBI agent. Like I was literally like a 13, 14 year old being like, hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? You know, um, yeah. but I was doing that at age 23 with a wife and a mortgage, you know, so it's a little bit different of a situation and I had to figure it out quickly. I didn't have that time where I could just like crash on my mom's couch for six years trying to figure out who I am or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dove into personal development and that's when I discovered podcasting, which led me down this whole journey that I'm on now. It's amazing how, but it's still like, even though you were in that's that whole story of being in the same place for that long is, is crazy because most people will never experience that, you know, and to be, but you had to have learned some really valuable lessons from, from that structure, although it may have been challenging and yeah, maybe the college degree that you got wasn't, you know, something that was, you could use as well as like a business or business degree or whatever, but you must have learned a lot of valuable lessons in that structure. Mm, yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of different I don't like, there's just zero, there's probably zero chance that I would be who I am today without all of how I grew up, yeah. you know, like it's, it's very much built into my DNA and I would never raise my kids in the same environment, but yeah. it, there's still a lot of positive takeaways, which I think, I think is pretty much everybody's upbringing, you know, like there's some things that you probably would fix and there's some other things that you can be thankful for. And it's just up to you to focus on being thankful for the things that are good instead of being upset about the things that were bad. Yeah, definitely. And so how, how was that challenge of kind of pivoting out and into a different, a different realm, so to speak, you're, you're learning all these new things. You're probably, you know, there's all these people talking about, you know, I, I like this about the episode when you're talking with Aubrey Marcus about learning about psychedelics and this other world that kind of didn't exist. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of the same way, you know, I was, once I dove into this personal development and started, you know, meeting different people and listening to different podcasts, all of a sudden I started to open up, like there's this other world that I don't even know about. Hmm. Right? What was that transition like for you? That was crazy, man, because yeah. when you're in that type of a circle or a bubble, how, whatever you want to call it, uh, everything I knew was there, you know, like, yeah. That was where I went to school five days a week. That was where I went to church. That was where I went to Saturday soul winning. Like that's where my sports were. That's where my athletics, like everything that I did was there. So I didn't have a network of people existing outside of that world. So when I started initially to start telling people, and it's like, it's super taboo if you go to that because the college is is purely a ministerial college. There's no other quote unquote secular majors Um, So if you're going there, you're going to ministry. Like it's basically, they have like five or six different majors, like pastoral theology, church ministries, you know, missions, 
whatever, like it, you're going into ministry. <clears throat> so when you go to that school and you don't go into ministry, there's this huge stigma around people like that and how they've like, you know, failed to live up to God's calling and all this stuff. And there's a lot of psychological things that played into that. Um, when I, when I decided not to do it anymore. And the first few people that I told people that were good friends of mine, close friends of mine, including my at the time fiance, now wife, um, people were just concerned that I was making the wrong decision, that I was deciding to do, um, the wrong thing with my life and that I was, you know, giving up on my potential and that I was, um, giving into the temptations of the world or whatever. And, uh, so there's a lot of psychological things that were playing into that. Um, especially when you've been told a certain thing from the time that you were three until that time period. And, uh, and I didn't have any other outside influences that were telling me anything different. So the only people that I was talking to were all telling me to go the certain path that they felt I should be going down when I knew deep down that wasn't what I needed to be doing, what I, what I wanted to be doing. And that if I did do it, I'd probably end up just resenting what, whoever hired me and doing a, a piss poor job of whatever job I ended up taking. And I would be super unhappy and disgruntled. And I knew all those things deep down, but when every authority figure that you look up to the most in your life, you know, and uh, when all the, your friends that are, that you've, known for such a long time in your life or telling you the same thing, it's really hard to make a decision that's contradictory to those things. And, uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a difficult time in my life and a big transition period. I definitely felt very, very alone for a, a, a good period of time because I just felt like I couldn't share what was really on my mind because as soon as I would say it, they would be like, Oh no, no, you got to give that up and, you know, get focused on what's really important type thing. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, a difficult, a very difficult transition for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy how many people don't listen to that, that gut feeling that what they're doing isn't serving them, but they just keep doing it because it's, it seems like the right thing to do because your friend Joe or your uncle Bob, they think it's right. So it's like, all right, well, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm just, I'm just going to keep doing this. And mm-hmm. Man, I admire you for being able. To, that's a big move. That's a big step. You oh, know, it was definitely a big step. Yeah. And, and uh, what I would say to somebody that's in that position right now is never take advice from somebody you wouldn't be willing to trade places with in the thing that you want to do. So we all get our advice from so many people that, you know, like you said, Uncle Bob or, or Cousin Joe or best friend Jim and just like yeah. all these people like... You know, they're giving you advice based on what's good in their life or what they've seen happiness or success with. It doesn't mean it's good for us. Like that's a really dangerous game to play to give blanketed advice to everybody based on what you've done. It's like the advice needs to be from people that you actually desire to emulate in your life. And, and at that point, I knew I didn't want to be a ministry. So why was I taking advice from everybody that's in ministry? You know, like I needed to go, I needed to go talk to a businessman locally and be like, hey is this something that, you know, like, how did you get started or what, like, what did you do? Like, I I need to go find people. That's why the the networking, the build your network message means so much to me because I had to start from scratch when I left that circle, all, everybody that I knew was in that circle. So, and I was fairly well networked in that circle and I knew a lot of, you know, um, influential people in that circle. But when I left it, it was like literally starting from scratch. Nobody knew who those people were anymore. It had zero clout, credibility, or recognition in the real world. And so I just kind of had to start from scratch and hope for the best, you know. I remember I was listening to your I was listening to John Lee Dumas episode when you were on there, and that's when I first heard you. And oh, cool. The, like, the recent one like, or no, like the years. like one from a while ago. Got it. Yeah. Um, that was like one of my first podcast interviews. So don't, don't judge me by that one. Bro, like, and I, <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I liked your message because it, 
I could relate to what you're doing so much because when I got into this industry, I had no nothing. Like I was a bartender for years and that's the network that I had. And I had to get out of that industry completely, start fresh Mm. and just basically create a podcast, share my story and do what I could to connect with people. And that's been such a massive, massive impact in my life. So when I hear you talking about this and hearing about building these connections with people, bro, like I completely relate to you how, how important it is, is to, to cultivate these relationships and build these networks through, you know, without being annoying, without being, you know, the person that goes around and and tries to annoy the shit out of people. Right. Mm. And I I don't like that stuff. So I can relate to people that do it the right way. So I would love to kind of, you could unpack networking. Like what is it to you? Like, why is it important? And maybe, yeah, maybe elaborate on that a little bit because that word gets thrown around a lot. What does networking actually mean to you? Yeah. And it's everything. Um, and I think, I think the real definition is just relationship building. And I think that the business world in the 1980s and nineties, like really took that and turned it into, turned it into two different activities. So I'm trying to get people to focus on making it back into the one activity. The one activity is building relationships. That's all it is. Business people have taken networking and turned it into a completely separate activity from building relationships. So it's like you have this idea of, well, I'm building relationships with my friends at the bar over conversation about the game. But then when I go to the business meeting, I have to memorize my one minute elevator pitch and I have to have uh, a thousand business cards and I have to have a cleanly pressed and ironed shirt with a tie and a suit and a pocket square. Like I have to do all these other things and they're two completely separate activities, which makes networking work and we're building relationships fun, right? Like if you do it right, I think it's one and the same and like networking is only building relationships just in a different context with different commonalities. So you're probably not like, I'm not a big fan of just shooting the shit and talking about nothing when it comes to networking. Like you, you still want to make a positive impression. You still want to build a relationship in that type of a context, but your commonalities are going to be different. If you're both at a networking event for business people, then you probably both have an interest in business, which means that you probably have something to talk about in terms of like that commonality between the two of you. The problem is that people go to those things and they try to book business there on the first point of contact. They treat it like it's in-person cold calling. And I don't have I have a problem with cold calling. I think that it has its place. Obviously, I did door-to-door sales for six or seven years, which is pretty cold form of cold calling. And uh, so I don't think that that's bad, but a networking environment where you're in a room with a bunch of other business owners and people that you should be collaborating with, even if they're potential customers, like that's not the place to go around and like knock on everybody's virtual door and, yeah. and uh, ask them to do business with you right then and there and sign a contract before they leave the night. And then, and then to look at it as a failure, if that doesn't happen, is just a complete is just like you're just missing the whole point of what networking really is, which essentially is just building relationships in a different context than it would be going to the bar with your friends. And a lot of times these networking things are at bars for that reason, but then people still mess them all up. I went to one of these the other day, man. And I was like, because I go to a lot of uh, business events, right? So the other day I was like, man, I should, I should really like go check out some local meetups and, and go to some entrepreneurial meetups. And I go to them and it was literally like transporting myself back into when I first started with all of this and was just like, ugh, like it was just yeah. so slimy and smarmy and everybody's got the name tags on and like the business cards and like, here's this. If you want insurance, here's my card. If you want insurance, oh, here's my card. Man. Here's my card. Here's my card. And it's like, oh my gosh, no, I don't. Like if you think, 
that this one chance encounter at a networking event is enough for me to trust you with my insurance needs. You're just dead wrong. I've been in business yeah. for like, I haven't even been in business for decades at this point. It's only been a few years, but I have other people that I trust for those types of roles that I would give business to first. Now, if we had a good rapport and relationship and you started, like we started like getting to know each other outside of this one point of contact in this context and like you added some value into my life and I added some value into your life and we had a relationship like that, then maybe in the, like a few months from now, somebody asked me for insurance and they're a local and you might be a better fit to work with them than my guy. I'm going to refer you business for that. You know what I mean? But like people are so short-sighted that they have to see like, you know, I have to see some business booked from this or I'm not a successful networker. And it's like, no, 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 you're missing the point of networking. It's not about that. It's about building relationships for long-term benefit of both people rather than building a short-term relationship for benefit for one person. There's a huge, huge difference there. And uh, I think that I think that the difference between somebody who builds a successful long-term business and somebody who is always having to hustle for their next paycheck is exactly that. You know, like, because I'm not even saying that it doesn't work. In-person cold calling works. If you talk to enough people at networking events, you will book some business from it for sure. Like it's, it's a for sure thing, right? It's just a numbers game at that point. Yeah. But you're going to have to do that again next year and again the year after that and again the year after that because like people don't enjoy being in business long-term with takers. And if that's the attitude that you're coming across with and you're coming across as a taker and um, you're going to attract other takers into your circle. And then that's when you wake up in five years from now, having to do the same thing over and over again to continue getting business because you realize that everybody that you've built in your network, although you may have gotten some business from them at some point is a taker. And they're only in it for themselves, just like you're only in it for yourself. So the next time there's like a big market correction or the economy goes down and you're looking to like loyal customers and friends, it, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work long term. And so uh, you just got to get out of that. Like you got to get out of separating those two activities and turn it into one activity. And the real activity is relationship building. Man, exactly. I can't stand that slimy greasy i can t- i can see it a mile away man yeah for me it's yeah. about the human i like the human are mm-hmm. you a good human can i connect with you awesome right. i don't even want to talk about what you sell i don't even care yeah. i i just want to like i honestly that's what i loved about i loved about podcasting i loved about working in the bars because i just love that connection mm-hmm. the human connection that you get sometimes you jive with somebody sometimes you don't mm-hmm. but why would you want to do business with somebody that 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 you don't jam with, you know? Right. Like right. if they're making you feel off, that's a good sign. Maybe I shouldn't do business with this person or maybe I, you know? And the people that just want to smash that in your face, you can just, I, I, I can see it a mile away and it just, mm-hmm. it's always been something that's bothered me. So and I it's love- It's never the way to get real people to no. do business with you either, right? Like you're only going to get that level of person to do business with you. Meaning if you sell insurance and you go to one of those things, and you happen to run into, uh, you know, a real estate agent who, you know, also goes to those things and is the same type of taker you are. And like you, he happens to be looking for insurance and he buys it from you. Like, okay, great. You made one single sale, yeah. right? But that guy's the same version of you. So he's not going to be able to help you uplevel your business, right? Like if you want to book business with, the number one producer in all of your region and who, you know, closes on 300 homes a year and could be a great referral partner for you, then you're going to have to like people like that, people who are real, like 
they only do business with other people who are real. And if you're going to keep doing business that way, you're never going to be able to get the big fish, the whales. You're never going to be able to get those people that are going to really like catapult you to the next level and help you like level up your game. You're just, you're always going to be, you're always going to be hustling for scraps. Yeah. You're always going to be hustling <laughs> for scraps. So true. It's the same people that change their business all the time or like change their direction. It's constantly, they're trying to sell something new. Yeah. They're hustlers. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and you can, and and look like you just have to be self-aware enough to know what you want in life because maybe that's all you care about. Yeah. I know it's not for me, but the the bottom line is like, if you're okay with that, cool, do your thing, be a hustler. You know what I mean? Like I have, I have some friends that are still that way and they're in their fifties now. You know what I mean? Like people that I've knocked doors with as a 22 year old that are like, that were like 45, 50 at the time, they're still doing that same game. You know what? cool. You know, 20 hours a week, a hundred grand a year, like not a bad deal, you know, keep yeah. doing that. And, and if that's all you want out of life, great. Um, but if you're somebody who eventually wants to stop working and stop the hustle, just understand that that way isn't going to get you there. You have to change the way that you're doing it. If you want to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. So what I really want to dive into as well is the podcast game. Yeah. You've, you've done, and everybody listening on here um, will get so much value from this, how you've been able to create, build your network. You've been able to line up some amazing guests. You know, you've done what, like 360 episodes or what, something like that? What do you, how many? You've done a lot, right? Uh, yeah, about Almost, uh, 350 something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So what, why has podcasting been a massive thing for you? Why has that been such a big what why has that had such a big impact in the growth it, uh, it's the number one way that i've built my network for sure like hands down it's just one of the biggest things one of the biggest reasons people don't reach out to people that are on a high level is because they don't know what to say to them you know they're like well i would reach out to so and so but you know i would i would reach out to grant cardone but what am i going to say you know thank you and then that's it yeah you know everybody does that so you want to try to get an audience with him. Like you want to try to make an impact, like build a relationship, add value, right? So how do you do that? The easiest way is through getting your own show. Like it's just, it's the number one way that, that I've been able to get in contact with those people. That it's just the perfect excuse, right? Like it's yeah. the excuse that you need to be able to, to contact the people that you're trying to contact. It's, Um, it's been like the number one tool for building my network, but also my credibility because in that same, um, along that same line, being able to have conversations with people like that and advertise that I've had conversations with people like that automatically puts me on a level of credibility in other people's eyes. If they know who that individual is, who that I'm talking to. Right. So like you're talking about John Lee Dumas or like uh, some of the other people that I've had on the truth, like Aubrey Marcus, right? Yeah. You see somebody like that. If you had no idea who I was, but then you saw that I was interviewing Aubrey Marcus, you automatically are like, well, he's got to be on some sort of significant level because I know Aubrey doesn't mess with people who are, you know, like super beginners and don't know what they're doing, you yeah. know? So like you, you give me instant credibility just because I'm rubbing shoulders with somebody that you already trust. Yeah. So, um, you know, exploding your network is one big reason to podcast but enhancing your credibility and authority is another huge reason to podcast. Um, and I, 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 could, I could keep going down the line. There's so many benefits from it. Yeah. I just, for all the businesses out there and entrepreneurs, you know, some people ask me, they question, you know, why, why would this be good for my business? 
and like you said, it's you're you're establishing trust. You're building yourself as an authority in your space, mm-hmm. right? Some people still think of it as just like an entertainment thing, but when people can understand the reason people do business with somebody is because they trust them, what better way to build that? You can't hide when you're interviewing people. You can't. You're, you're yourself. So somebody can really get to know the real you pretty quick. And they can yeah. say, I like this person. I don't. I like them. I want to I learn more about what they do, right? And you're right. And seeing that you're interviewing these high-level people puts you into that category. Right, right. Yeah, and then the, like I said, real recognizes real. So when you talk to somebody who's on such a high level, they can at least tell if you know what you're doing or have the potential to know what you're doing in the future, yeah. right? Like they can look at you and be like, man, like you're clearly at the beginning of your journey, but I know you're going to go places, right? And like a lot of people like that will see potential in you and be willing to help you out with things just because they know that you're going to take their advice and put it into action and they're happy to help out. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but if you didn't put yourself in that opportunity to begin with, it's never going to happen. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah, no, absolutely. Who, who has been, who is, who had a massive impact? I always like to ask this. I don't want to ask your favorite guest because it's a dumb question, but like who impacted you? Like after the interview, maybe you were expecting it. Maybe you weren't. That was like, wow, that's, that was, that was like, that lifted me. That, that showed me something that, that lit me up. Like what was, is there one that stands out or one or two? Yeah, there's definitely a few. Um, it's so difficult to pick yeah, just like one or two, but I, I, let's go with Tom Bilyeu just because I've just looked up to him for so long and he's somebody I still look up to. Yeah. Um, but his interview was one of my favorites just because he knows so much about so many things and he's somebody that's already created insane financial success for himself and for his family. You know, he had yeah. sold his company for a billion dollars. He had a couple partners, but I mean like a third of, of, into the billions company is still not a bad chunk of change to exit with. Right. Mm. Um, and he's somebody that could literally put that money into a couple mutual fund accounts, maybe a couple hedge funds and, uh, some real estate. And he could just literally chill the rest of his life. But instead of doing that, he decided to create impact theory and he wants to build a personal development entertainment company that rivals Disney. Like that to me is just like, man, I respect the hell out of that. Cause I don't know if I would do the same thing. You know, if I built a if I built a company that I had a multiple nine figure liquid exit from, I would be like, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I obviously don't think that, you know, somebody with our type of DNA can sit there and do absolutely nothing. Um, but in terms of like trying to lay that, all of that, you know, money on the line to like go create and affect positive change in the world. Like that would be a bridge I'd have to cross when I come to it. I don't know what decision I would make, but somebody like him did make the decision to continue and like, you know, use all of his money to go back into, you know, doing something again. And it's just, I I respect the hell out of that. And uh, plus I respect how much he perfects his craft. Um, how, how seriously he takes every guest, every interview, every piece of content. He's just doing everything at the highest level. And when we were there, because uh, I interviewed him at his, has, at his house slash studio in Beverly Hills. And after the interview, he just kind of took like 20 minutes and chatted with me and the team for a bit. Didn't have to do that at all. He, he had a, his team was still there, like working on stuff. He could have gone and 
you know, talked with them, but he stayed, talked with us for a bit, took some pictures, like answered some questions. Super, super, super nice guy. And his wife was just the same total class acts and, um, left really positive impression when they didn't have to, you know, they could have just been like, all right, cool. Thanks for coming out. And then bounced, you know, but they took the time to make sure that they left that positive impression, which is something that's, um, that I can't say for a lot of people. So, um, I I would, I would go with Tom. Yeah, he's he practices what he preaches. He's not one person, one way, and then you know, oh, total yeah. dick behind the scenes. You know, there are people right. like that out there, right? Yeah. What's your so what's what's the trick to landing these big these big guests, man? I mean, I I I just had Grant Cardone we're releasing him tomorrow, and I awesome. know there's a there's a couple. I got you know just got Dean Graziosi Graziosi lined up, but like there are some little tricks that I had, but I'm I'm interested to hear how you like what's your what's how did how did you land them how for people listening out there what's a little sneaky tip for them yeah you just have to figure out how to make it as easy as possible for them to say yes so you just have to take all the guesswork out of it the way that i do that is through the number of guests that i've had on my show um and you know Right now, you'd be like, well, of course, Travis, you know, if I had your guest lineup, I could get a bunch of people on too. It's like, well, yeah, but I started with nothing. So all you got to do is be willing to reach out to a bunch of people cold and be willing to be rejected a bunch of times. And once you get that first person to say yes, then it's a lot easier to get that second person to say yes. And once you get that second person to say yes, the third and fourth ones are much easier. Then the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth ones are easier. Then the 35th one is super easy. Like it just builds on itself. The momentum continues to build. So congrats on for you, bro. Like getting people like Grant, people like Dean, um, you using those as big leverage points to continue getting other people on. Like that's, that's the name of the game right there is that credibility piece is so, so, so important. And when you can, you know, now when I reach out to people, I'll list off like, not just one or two, but 14 or 15 of their friends that I know that they know because I go see if they follow them on Instagram and know that they know them. So I can reach out to those people and say like, here's 15 people that I've had on that you already know, like trust. They've spoken at your event. You've spoken at their event. Like you've done business with them in some way. So even if they've never heard of me from Adam, they see a list of like 12, 15 names that they already like have known for a long period of time or whatever they're automatically going to assume that I do a good, a good enough job for them to say yes to coming on the show. You know what I mean? Cause really they're just, they, they're, they don't say yes to every opportunity because it'd be impossible. Mm. Um, but, uh, the only reason that, that, you know, you don't hear a response or you get rejected is because somebody on their team probably did some research. So like if I reached out and they didn't see the big names that I've had on my show, then, um, I might get told no. You know what I mean? Like it's not enough. Your pitch isn't enough. It's the credibility that comes um, when when people don't know you because they just want to know that they're not taking an hour out of their time to jump on a podcast interview, and their time's just going to be wasted because it's not a good like you know you get twelve downloads an episode and you release once every four months and uh, you're probably going to quit after they come on. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, uh, they they just got to guard their time. So you have to make it. You just have to make it a no-brainer for them to say yes to where like they don't have to assign a member of their team to be like, hey, can you look into this show? You know, it's just like they look at their thing and they're like, oh wow, they've had all of those people on. Okay, sure. Then all they do is then point you in the right direction and say, uh, yeah, I just email so and so on my team and they'll get it scheduled. It's like, okay, great. You know, it just takes yeah. all the guesswork out of it, and makes it easy for them to say yes. Yeah, it's amazing how some of the people don't. Some of the people say no, but then the, some of the people say yes, and you and it's crazy. It's right. crazy. Some of the people don't respond and then some of them respond right away. And for everyone listening out there, you can't get, don't beat yourself up about it because people will say, no, people are busy. 
Mm, oh, they yeah. get tons of DMs. They get tons of stuff. And you, what, what I liked, I think when I, what I heard about this in the past, this might, I think you said it as well. Um, I remember these things when I hear these interviews, man, I make sure yeah. that, is that you got to have something. If you're connecting with these people, you're not just going to connect and be like, Hey, I like your book. Like you really got to kind of find something that's a little deeper, right? A little bit more of a, yeah. that you can build like that connection. And that's what I found to me for, for, for lining these people up. I really want to find something that you kind of listen, learned something, they're, implemented they're, something. Yeah. yeah. A real human. Like, it's not just like, Oh yeah. Thanks. Your book, like the 10 X rule. Thanks man. Like that's a great book, you know? Like, right. Right. You know, what was good about it? What are the what chapter did you like? Or you know what I mean? Like, right. how important is it to really think about it that way as well? Oh yeah, definitely important. Um, I have a whole script for reaching out to people that you can find in my book, um, Meet Your Hero. Um, Congrats on that, by the way. Yeah, thank you, bro. Um, but yeah, like literally step by step outline templates, all that stuff that you can find in that book, which you can find on Amazon anywhere. Meet your, just type in Meet Your Hero on Amazon, and it will pop up. Um, I'm gonna order it. And, um, and it gives you like my step-by-step strategy on what I do. And, and that's one of the things that I go into is lead with value. And in that lead with value piece is exactly what you were just saying is I say, try not to be generic, try not to be generic. of just like, you do great things, you know, <laughs> like, okay, what the hell does that mean? You know what I mean? Um, you know, so try to be a little bit more specific with that. Like what specifically did they do or say that you have specifically taken, implemented into your life and seen a positive result or change from? Because people like that love hearing stories like that. I know because I'm one of them. When somebody reaches out and they're like, hey man, I read your book or I took your course and I did it and I got a response from somebody who was amazing. Thank you so much for that. Like, hey, by the way, I also have a podcast. Would you come on? I'm so much more likely to say yes to that because I'm just like, man, like this is a real person that actually learned something from what I did, implemented it, saw a positive change in their business and care about getting me on their show because I've helped change their life in a positive way. Like that's an easy yes. Instead of just like, Hey man, cool stuff. (laughs) Can you come on my show? You know? So totally. Awesome, man. Well, tell us about what you're working on now and where's the best place to find you. Yeah, man. So uh, right now, uh, just finished up my first live event about a week and a half ago. And uh, so I am just working on a game plan for 2020 and uh, bringing on like working on a couple of strategic partnerships with some people, um, actually people that I've had on the show, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, and then working on a, I just sold out my, my uh, high ticket mastermind. And so now I'm looking to build out a entry point mastermind group. Um, that'll be more like a membership site slash mastermind. So that's probably one of the bigger things that I'm working on right now. And then got a, um, I I've always done one-on-one podcast coaching and consulting, always been like higher level and stuff, but now I'll be taking a lot of like those, um, things that I've worked on in the past couple of years, helping out people on a one-on-one basis and putting them into more of like a one-to-many course uh, for people that can't afford to jump into the one-on-one programs. Awesome. And you just launched your book too. Yeah. I just launched the book at the event. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So Mm -hmm. what was that? Okay. I, I, I wanted to ask this. I totally forgot. What was the event that you were just at with all, all the big celebs and everything? What was that one? Oh yeah. That was a mastermind that I joined. Okay. So I joined a mastermind. Yeah. And that, that was the first of three events, um, in that mastermind. Cool. How, so how important is joining things like that, investing in a mastermind? Because a lot of people are scared to invest the money. How important think, is that? 
I think it's so, so, so important. I can't, I can't stress how important it is. They've changed my life completely. Like you want to know how to level up your network immediately, pay to join a mastermind. If you pay to join a mastermind, like you're getting around other people that cared enough to pay to join a mastermind as well. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like, like my map, my group is, is a um, $14,000 group. So when you jump into a 14K group, it's not just like me that you're getting connected with. You're connecting with 20, 25 other people that also paid that much money to be a part of the group. So like the level of people that are in that group are just going to be higher. It's just how it is. Like then joining a free Facebook group, it's free. Anybody can be it in in that group. You know what I mean? And even the people that quote unquote, like can't technically afford the group, you know what I mean? Like the people that are like, you know, spending their last dollar or whatever to try to jump into a group like that, you know, they might, they might not be able to help your financial side, but they're ambitious as hell. You know what I mean? Like they're committed. They're all in because they're investing their last dime into themselves and going forward. So even like, like there's a, there's a wide variety of people, people that are like, Oh, 12 K, whatever, like here's cash. But then there's other people that are like, Hey, can I finance that? Do you have any partners that can help me find it? Like, Either way, when you're jumping into that group, the level of commitment, the level of person, and the level of desire to be successful in that group is unmatched comparatively to any groups that are totally free. Yeah. So um, jumping into a group like that gets you around those types of connections, but it also ensures your commitment level. Like this group that I'm in, I paid $100,000 to be in that group. Like, what do you think that did to my commitment level in my business? Oh man, you're sending, you know what I mean? you're sending like, the right messages. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no escape route, yeah. you know? Like if yeah. I don't, do the things that I know I need to do to improve my business that I know I just wasted a hundred grand, which I'm not in the business of doing, (laughs) you know? Yeah, for sure. You got to get in and like your financial commitment is what holds you accountable to seeing huge results happen in your life. I'm so glad we talked about that, man, because that is so true at the level of commitment that you're putting out to the universe for yourself and your business, right? If you're scared, you're just telling the universe that you're scared to fail. Right, because yeah. you don't have faith in what you're doing. Totally, and, yeah. It's it's just a lack of belief in yourself. Yeah, it's just like if you if you're contemplating a, a twelve fourteen k mastermind, it's just like I don't know, that's a lot. I don't know. Like all you're telling yourself is I don't believe enough in myself to be able to generate that amount of money again. Yeah. That's all it is, right? Because <laughs> money is just money. It's not. Yeah. Like time is the real asset. Yeah. You join a mastermind so that you save a bunch of time right? Like, so that you can figure something out in six months that it might've taken you five years to figure out before. Yeah. Like you're paying to shortcut the line. So like, it's just mad, like, it's just a value thing. Like what's more valuable to you, money or time. And if the answer is money, then you should really reevaluate what you value because time is really our ultimate asset. And if you can trade money to get time back on the back end, I'll do it every time. And that's why I invested a hundred K in a mastermind. In the last two years of my online business, I've invested almost $200,000 in masterminds, coachings, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Wow. So, um, that tells you how much I believe in it. That's, that's awesome, man. That, uh, just having that conversation gives me a little bit of, I like hearing that because then that gives me a little bit more um, insight into that wanting to do that myself, right? Because obviously you tinker with these masterminds, you think about them and you see them and you think, well, is that, is that worth it? But the more you hear that, the more it reinforces that it's probably a good move, right? And it's kind of like that nudge, like, hey, just do it once. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like do it once and you'll experience the power of what it creates in your life and uh, you'll, you'll want to do it again. Yeah. So brother, we'll probably wrap this up. I, um, I always like to ask one question at the end and it's usually my staple question. And that is, 
out of all the challenges, the bumps, the ride that we've been on this journey, what is one lesson that going through adversity has taught you? Hmm. I mean, that's a really deep question, man. Um, Let's get so deep on this, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, going through adversity has taught me a lot. Uh, I would say, I would say one of the biggest things is you have to learn to enjoy the journey or teaching yourself to only enjoy the destination. Then I don't think that you'll ever be truly happy. Um, every single part of the process is important. And if you are always trying to constantly avoid discomfort and pain, then I don't think that there's true happiness in that. I think happiness comes from the growth that comes through pain and discomfort. Mm. And so I think that you should seek discomfort and I think that you should seek those opportunities to put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable. And, uh, because that's really the only place where growth happens. And if you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying, you know? So if you, if you always avoid discomfort, then you're by definition, just assuring that you're going to get worse. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you're not growing, you're dying. Totally. Right. And if, and if growth only comes through the discomfort, then that means if you stay comfortable, you're just guaranteeing that you're going to continue dying instead of continue growing. Yeah. So, you know, adversity is just adversity is just one of those things that helps you grow and become a better version of yourself. And if you know, you can either roll over and 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 die, or you can face it head on and come out on the other side a better person. And then just understanding that like things aren't that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, like losing all your money, it's not that big of a deal. We put way too much value on those things, you know, and it, and it prevents us from getting uncomfortable and chasing our dreams. It's like, well, go back to that mastermind thing, you know, and it's like, well, you know, I, you know, 12K is a lot of money. I don't know if I want to invest that. Okay, well, look at it this way. Like if you, if you invest that and lose it, worst case scenario, you lost 12 grand. 12 grand is not a lot of money to anybody. Like, I don't, like if you're dead broke right now, $12,000 is not a lot of money to you still because you can't live your entire life on $12,000. So if you have any goals that, that are higher than earning $12,000, which everybody in the world that is true for, right? Nobody can live on 12K for the rest of their life. Just impossible unless you're yeah. 90 and you live in a third world country. You know, yeah. maybe yeah. there might be a couple exceptions, but for the most part, no. Yeah. So that just means that you're valuing that money way too much because of probably some cultural stigma that tells you that if you lose that money, you made a dumb decision, you got taken for a ride. And it's just like, you're way too worried about being embarrassed and losing money and not worried enough about not achieving the goals and dreams that you have for your life. Like those should be paramount. Those should be important. Everything else is just like, you should be willing to like, it's just, it's just money, man. Just, yeah. It's just money. You just, you got to be willing to lose it if you want to make it. You got to be able to, you know, to receive, you have to have an open hand, which means you also have to be able to give. If you have a closed hand all the time, then you can't give anything, but you also can't receive anything, you know? So like, you're just going to hoard the little, the, the amount that you've, oh, that you've earned and never spend it or use it or like give it, like, it's just a, it's just this crazy mentality that says that there's a limited amount of money in the world and you can't get any more of it. Yeah. And, um, like you just got to get over that, get over that fear of embarrassment and, um, embrace that struggle, embrace that discomfort and seek that discomfort. Um, and, uh, and just understand that that's where the, the true growth comes from. Man. Well said, love it. 
It's, uh, it's, it, I love that question because it, so many people have different answers. Some get really deep. Some say one, one sentence and it's just, it's so important, man. I understand the perspective of adversity. You know, it's, it's our ally, man. Like we need it. If we didn't have it, it's funny because we want things to go so smooth and we don't want to wish anybody or anybody growing up to have to go through challenges and hard times because they may suffer. But at the same time, if you don't go through that, you're not going to grow. Right. So we almost want that. We, we, we have to want that. Right. And I think if we, if we program ourselves to actually understand that discomfort is actually the thing teaching us. Right. And that, that's, that's why I say seek discomfort as well, because like, okay, for me investing hundred K in that mastermind, was that uncomfortable? Yeah, totally uncomfortable. It took me a couple months to make that decision. It was very uncomfortable for me. Is it, but I, I think that's where a lot of growth is going to happen. And I think that that's going to prevent a lot of future discomfort. Like it's right. It's, it's guaranteeing discomfort right now. Like it is guaranteeing discomfort because that was not a comfortable amount of money for me to just drop on something like that. Probably not a comfortable amount of money for really anybody. Even if you you know, got a nine-figure business, it's probably not a, a comfortable amount of money for you just to be like, oh yeah, yeah. willy-nilly, right? But, um, but I say that to say that that amount of money that I'm you know, guaranteeing discomfort for myself right now will probably prevent me from having crazy discomfort later in the future and something that was totally out of my control because you know, like I could learn something in this group or from one of the instructors or from one of the coaches in there that I could put into my business that prevents me from having this crazy future problem that might've bankrupted me. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm -hmm. is it really costing me a hundred thousand dollars? No, it's not. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm guaranteeing discomfort right now because I could have just been like, oh, you know what? I'm pretty comfortable. You know, I'll just, you know, hold off on that investment and just like, okay, cool. But then what does that do? The money just sits there and doesn't create anything for me. Um, it doesn't teach me anything. And then in a year from now, I run into an issue, you know, maybe I hire somebody that isn't good at what they do because I didn't know how to hire the right person. Or maybe I met the wrong person somewhere else instead of in a group like that. And I dropped, you know, 25K on this funnel that was guaranteed to do X, Y, and Z. And then they bounced and left. And now I just lost 25. You know what I mean? There's so yeah. many things. There, like discomfort is going to come. Yeah. It's, go, it's just a part of the journey. It's a part of the process. So why not put yourself in on purpose discomfort so that you can kind of almost control the discomfort a little bit and prevent like future, you know, devastating discomfort. That just yeah. seems like a better option to me. I love it. Bro, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, of this course. Is, this is so great. Fucking time flies, man. It's already <laughs> almost an hour. Yeah. Um, I love what you're doing, man. We're going to have everything in the show notes to come check you out, build your network. Um, yeah, man, I, I love what you're doing. Your content's great. So well done. And I can't wait to just keep, you know, seeing what you're creating and what's going to happen in the next year, bro. So, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for Thanks so much, on. man. Thanks, everybody. Go check out Travis. If you're interested in um, a great Facebook group with lots of value, if you're interested in a podcast where he interviews the best of the best, go check him out. I definitely aspire to create something with University of Adversity that will be high level like that. I think we're on our way. You know, we're, we're definitely doing better than I thought we were on this journey. So I'm really excited to see what the next year holds and the people that we can connect with. 
which means the more value I can bring to you guys. So it's always greatly appreciated. And check out Travis. Let him know that you heard him on this show. Love you guys. I appreciate you. Have an amazing day.